Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is proud to sponsor the Ortho Show podcast. Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is killing it right now. We have six centers open with two more opening in the next eight weeks with 10 more sites in the queue across the country. We're exclusively powered by the MLS M8 laser technology. Laser treatment is an awesome alternative to traditional cortisone shots and surgery for all of your acute and chronic orthopedic pain needs for your patients. To find out how you can supercharge your orthopedic practice and become a part of the OrthoLaser community, go to the OrthoLaser website at www.ortholaserwithaz.com. That's www.ortholaserwithaz.com. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here to host another episode of the Ortho Show podcast. Here at the Ortho Show, we are bringing you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. Speaking of the best of the best, we have Dr. Corey Callendine, who is with us today. Uh, Corey's an orthopedic surgeon that specializes in joint replacement down in Tennessee. I think one of my favorite things that I like about uh, Corey is his LinkedIn tagline, which is savoring life to the bone. He is the founding partner of the Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you on, Corey. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Scott, I appreciate it so much. So good to be with you. I, I've Well, and you know this, I've questioned your judgment for inviting me in. You've had some just some killer guests, and I have listened uh, frequently to the Ortho Show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I think in the history of orthopedic podcasts today, we may have the greatest contrast in hair in the history of podcasts. It, 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 can't, it can't be much different than us, my friend. Um, Unfortunately for our guests, they don't have the, they don't have the video, but uh, yeah, I would say great. fortunately for your guests, um, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'm glad this came up, Scott, because I, I, I trolled you obviously in preparation for this. And, and I saw your picture on Doximity pre fro. I mean, yeah. what's up? You want to talk about it? I mean, when did it come out? I mean, what is the birth of the fro? Yeah, I think we need to get that toxicity picture. Uh, we got to get, we got to change that thing up a little bit. Yeah, the fro's been just, you know, I was high and tight for at least the first ten years of practice. You know, wearing suits to work and ties and all that stuff. And then as I started gathering wisdom and figured that people wanted to come and see me for my brain, I loosened up a little bit. I would say my favorite thing about the pandemic, though, is that. Uh, I no longer wear suits or uh, extra work clothes. It is scrubs, scrubs, and scrubs. I've bought three or four pair. They're personalized. That's what I go to work in, and people don't mind it, and I love it. So the fro has uh, has been trimmed, though. We are a little shorter than we were before. Yeah, no, I, I saw the pic from the uh, barber studio. You know, I, I can't imagine how much money you're dumping into that thing. I, I, I buy clippers maybe every 10, 15 years, you know, 20 bucks <laughs> for RJ, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. It's not, it's not by choice. Well, spe so speaking of that, that beautiful head of yours, I, I loved your LinkedIn post. Uh, when you were down at AUKUS, we got to talk about this. AUKUS to everybody on listening that's not a, a doc out there is the American Association of Hip and Knee uh, Surgeons. And so it's a big society meeting, which is held every year, unfortunately, with pandemic. All these society meetings are are going away. But they decided to do both virtual 
as well as live. And your post was absolutely fantastic. You're in this large room that can accommodate like 300 people and you spin around, it's empty chairs everywhere. And then you go up to the screen and the actual lecturer is virtual. It is not even there. (laughs) Yes. I was truly the only person in the room. Well, there were some AV, there was two AV guys in the back of the room, but I was the only orthopedist in the room. No one at the moderator stand. I, I actually went up there and just kind of mouthed the words like I was moderating. <laughs> um, listen, I, I respect them so much, Scott, for trying to put that on. There were, I think they said 400 that were in person this year. It felt a lot less, obviously, because the facility was built for something much bigger. Last year, we had 3,000 in person. So massive shift from last year. And I think about 1,000 people consume the content virtually. And listen, that's where we are right now, right? So at least we got some of that education out there. For us in the hip and knee replacement space, AUKUS is really our go-to. You sports guys probably have something like it. Uh, So I'm, I'm glad we didn't miss it completely. Now, did you wear your uniform? Did you wear that blue sport coat and khaki pants that you guys always like to wear? Oh yeah, no, it's 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 you have to. I, I don't I don't think you can check into the hotel without it. Um, <laughs> no, I you know the truth about that is I wear what my wife tells me to wear, Scott. She you know it's bad. I mean, she tapes them together to make sure I don't mess up which shirt goes with which uh, jacket, and I just follow along. It's a beautiful Perfect. thing. It's the it's like the Garanimals. Nobody knows what that is anymore, but that was all good. You matched up the draft to the draft. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. My partner, Dave Perbilla, is a dear friend of mine. He's a big AUKUS guy. You know, he's one of these four or five, 600 joints a year, whatever it is. But, you know, he came in, he made rounds, he came in his jeans, he grabbed his stuff, and he went home. And he said, I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going home. It's AUKUS. I'm going to go home with uh, another buddy of mine. And we're going to sit down for the day and we're going to do some virtual learning. And it was pretty cool. They did it, you know. Yeah. And, and you guys are really, unlike the sports world where we're we're just sort of really now pushing into evidence-based medicine. Most of the sports has been very experience-based. We change things out pretty quickly. The, the, the joint replacement world is really evidence-based. You guys drive home the details. You, you know, you guys are routine. You want to do it the same way every time. And if you're going to make a change, it has to be something that's proven to, to everyone's satisfaction. Well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, and, and I like that. That that matches my personality uh, for sure. And, and you know this, Scott. You, you can probably talk to us long enough. You'll figure out who's a joint guy, who's a sports guy. You know, since they're not on the line, who the spine guys are. I mean, what's up with those guys? Um, <laughs> well, they're not orthopedic surgeons. They're spine surgeons. They're spine surgeons. It's a whole new world. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm thankful for them because I certainly that's a that's a tough discipline. It takes the right person to do it and do it well. I, I've got a couple guys here with me that do it so well, and I'm thankful for them because that that that's not uh, that's not where I thrive. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Love you, Mark Lapp, who's our partner who takes care of all that stuff. You know, he's in there. I'm dishing out like four cuffs, a couple ACLs. And he comes out, you know, sweating bullets after a, a six-hour, you know, P-lift, T-lift, A-lift, something or other. I don't know what all those lifts are. But he does. And he comes out. And he's tired. He's exhausted. I'm like, hey, but so, somebody's got to do it. And God bless him. Somebody's got to do it. It's a, it's important work. I, I I like I like when they go front, back, front, or I, I don't know how many times they spin the patient. It, it's incredible. And uh, I'm thankful there are guys that have dedicated their lives to that. Not me. Yeah, not me either. All right. So one of the things that we share a great passion for is social media and, and you do it really well. I, I really enjoy watching what you do. I mean, you have top rate videos, you got great content, 
you're a you're you're a big thinker. You get some quotes in there. I think you like you may be the only orthopedic poet I know. I think I saw some haikus that were in there too. I'm like, dude, yeah. you got a lot going on. So talk to me about that. Well, well listen, I you know we we. Our practice was with Vanderbilt for years, 10 years. I trained at Vanderbilt as a resident and joined a community practice when I first came out post-fellowship. And uh, they were acquired by Vandy. We were with Vandy for 10 years. Great practice, great uh, involvement with the mothership, if you will. But we were operating as a separate cost center. So we kind of verged off, partnered with the local hospital here. And when we did that, that was our opportunity to kind of get our name out in space. And so yeah, it's been what two years maybe that I've been playing in this social media space. I, I have no master plan, Scott. I'll, I'll share this with you. you. Your comments are very kind. My mom probably wrote that little uh, diatribe for you right there, and I appreciate you reading it with such such precision. But I, I really have no clue what I'm doing. You know, there's guys like you that are in the space and really thoughtful about how you executed and, and, you know, Matthew Ray Scott, I know, you know, him and, the and brand man. Yeah, man. He's something MRS is what I call him. The yeah. Mr. RS. Now he, he, he's an incredible guy and uh, I'll post something and he'll say, Corey, that was, that was just really insightful. And I don't even realize that, right. <laughs> I'm just speaking and allowing it to stick to the wall. This is what I've learned about social media. It, it really is the genuineness, the authenticity that people connect to. And my lack of plan has uh, played very well uh, with the audience and allowed me to connect to a ton of people. Uh, no, but, and your brand, though, your brand on social media is actually interesting because you, you're providing a service. A lot of people brand themselves by just talking about what they do or how they do it. Yeah. But you take it to a different level. You actually you explain things. And so you're literally providing a service to the people. So therefore, they're drawn to you for that reason, because they're going to be educated in something and you take time to do it. I mean, your posts are very well thought out. You know, they're very, they're scripted very, you know, very nicely. So the average person can read it. I mean, and that means a lot. Yeah. Well, it, it's been rewarding, uh, to me for sure. And it's something I did largely in the, in, in the pandemic, you know, I said, I started social media, you know, a couple of years ago when we kind of veered off and changed our practice model. But in truth, I didn't have a green screen in my house uh, or a, or a separate light studio uh, in the piano room until the pandemic. So I, I tried to use that time. Some of that was to keep my marriage together, right? I mean, if I hung around, and didn't have too much to do. My wife would ask me to leave. So I was keeping myself busy for sure. But I'll tell you what, Scott, anybody who's not doing it, I think they should at least look at it as a way to communicate to not only your current patients, but yes, future patients. And it is a service, but it's also something that's not so hard for us to do. How many times a day do you explain, you know, ACL prevention injury? You know, it's just not that difficult. These things are on the tip of our tongue. And if we just spend a little time framing it up and getting it out there, people really appreciate it. Yeah. And nowadays too, you know, our reach is much further than it used to be. You know, we just uploaded a, a widget where patients can now upload their images to us. So, I mean, I can do a second opinion for somebody anywhere that they want, and you can even be paid for it. So that whole process is not only sort of expanding, you know, what you can do for patients, but it's also helping you as, as a practitioner to be able to expand uh, uh, to, to potential uh, patients for you as well. And so what, what, what I think that's a great segue here because... You know, you've, you just, it was only a couple of years ago that you branched off into your own space. Yeah, I think we're like two and a half years uh, starting this new practice, the Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee that you see. Great. So why, I want you to provide some counsel to some of our listener, listeners, maybe even the orthopedic surgeons, 
as to how you can improve your reviews and how it helps to draw patients to you. I mean, I you have 80 Google reviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. That's not easy to do. I mean, for the listeners out there, for a Google review, literally the patient has to have a Gmail account. You can't just send them something. They have to log on to do it. So it requires energy on their part to do that, which most patients don't want to do. So what were you doing to sort of generate positive energy so that you were drawing in patients to your new center? Well, uh, uh, you know, awareness is important. I mean, we we vary uh, vary from the beginning, right, right from the beginning. We would ask them to submit reviews, right? And that's how we started, just just asking. But Scott, look, everybody's busy. That's kind of hard to do. We now use something called Social Climb. Uh, I've received no money from them, uh, and there are many services that do this for us. But essentially, what they've been able to do is integrate with our EMR. And based on, you know, their new patient or established and how frequently have they seen us, essentially they send them a text at the end of their appointment with us and say, would you consider writing a review? And there's a little pathway there. It's important that you don't screen reviews. You know, I've learned a lot that Google Google will shut you down if you pre-screen them for good versus bad reviews. So there's a very specific way to do it and not make Google mad at you. Google is such a powerhouse, obviously. So you kind of want listed on Google and you don't really want them to to, to, to block your name or push you down in the review. But we use that service. They send our patients a text. If they're new patients, uh, everybody gets a text. And uh, if they're established patients, but we haven't seen them, I think within six months, they send them a text. Um, it, it's kind of funny. When we first started, they used our headshots from our website. And my, my picture, I had one sent to me just for trial. My head came across like, you know, maximum screen size. So be careful if you're going to deploy that to where you know what picture they're sending and how big the specs are on that thing. Cause that is frightening. Yeah, um, no, blinded, blinded by the light. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But, uh, that's interesting. So we use doctor.com, uh, and it's a similar process just so people are out there. I, you know, I think that, you know, one bad review, you can't take the bad reviews off. And the only way you can get a bad review to, to mean less is to have 20 good reviews. And so yeah. it really makes a difference now, you know, the days of, 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 you know, just hanging up your shingle and just saying, hey, I'm here and relying on primary care doctors to refer you patients. Yeah. Uh, those days are over. Patients are much more savvy. They're internet savvy. They can look you up. They track you down. They talk to their friends. And, you know, so having that, those sorts of communication. So, you know, again, I don't get any, any money out of doctor.com either, but it's, it's an interesting thing. They give you a computer. It's a tablet. It's sitting right there in the office. And so when you have a super happy patient, you know, you just walk over and say, hey, would you mind doing a review for us? We give them the tablet right then and there in the office. And then it goes up to the top five review sites, except for Google. Google, you have to do, you know, on your own. But, uh, you know, it's just it's things like that that all sort of help to, to you know, as, as Matthew Ray Scott would say, is sort of develop your brand. How do you separate yourself from, from the other people around you? And one of the other things that, uh, that, that I, I think that helps to separate you as well, and I, I'd really like some education for our listeners today, would be on robotics in, in, uh, in surgery and replacement in particular. And, you know, I've watched your videos and you've done some really cool stuff on that. And there's, a, you know, there's controversy out there as to, to what to do. And at the end of the day, I always, you know, say, you know, you should do what's right for you and what you're good with and what makes you makes you to be as successful as possible and really deliver positive outcomes for your patients. But why don't we educate? Let's take some time and, and tell tell us your experience on ro- robotics. When did you get into it? What are you using? How is it helping your patients? 
Well, you know, robotics for me, I mean, all we talked a little bit about personality, you know, joint replacement guys, unlike the sports guys, right? That sew this tissue to this tissue, right? And and there's no radiographic proof of what you did or didn't do. And I'm talking to you, Dr. Sigmund. Yeah, no, I, I do a sports total knee, so I'm okay. <laughs> um, you know, we put these metal implants in. Uh, metal can easily be seen by x-ray. I have to look at that for the rest of my life. And so, uh, listen, my, my interest really in robotics and really everything in orthopedics is how can I be better? You know, at AUKUS that I was just at, they do this audience poll. What percentage of people are using robotics? It's up to 30% now. So let's be clear. This is quote unquote controversial, if we want to use that word, but certainly not mainstream or standard of care. That's not where we are in the robotic space. But why did I get interested in it? I got interested in it because I want to be better. And and every time I place metal in a patient, I can re-x-ray it. And so can the guy down the road, he can re-x-ray. It. But we, we want to do better for patients. Total knee is really where the maximal benefit probably is going to be realized with robotics because as you know, there's r- reports of up to 20% of people not being satisfied. I've never met that surgeon that claims that that's the case, but that has been seen in the literature again and again. So how can we be, do, how can we be better? And there are just limitations of manual instruments. There just are, right? I mean, we didn't used to have any. It used to be all freehand cuts. Thank goodness I didn't have to live through that. My, my OCD would not have done well in that space. Uh, but then we have manual instruments, which is a vast improvement. And now we're not limited by manual instruments. So the concepts for me for robotics is how can we be better for the patient? I personally believe that advanced imaging helps us, you know, so so the system that I use, we we, we utilize a CT scan preoperatively. So, so we're starting with what I like to call truth. You know, there's this big navigation. Everybody wants to say, oh, robotics is just like navigation. The reality is, is we haven't defined any of these terms well, but in my world, a true robotic platform has to start with the truth. And so for me, robotics has to start with advanced imaging, like a CT scan uh, or, or maybe MRI. It has to start with factual anatomic data. And then I think it's other, it's really, really important to be able to adjust that intraoperatively. I've got some dear friends that use some of these, uh, you know, customized implants for the knee. Conformis is one company, but, but there are a couple of doing that in the space. The problem is you don't have the soft tissue data until intraoperative. So I think that's the second pillar for me about what's important about robotics is the ability to adjust it intraoperatively. And then what if you start with the truth and you have this perfect plan, but then you can't execute it, right? So I think you need some robotic arm or some precision instrument to execute your plan. So for me, that's the robotics. You have to start with the truth. You have to be able to adjust it to the patient. Personalized surgery, I think that's key. And you have to have something that executes your plan with better precision than the human using manual instrumentation. I think that's the promise. Now, connecting that to patient reported outcomes, this is the key. And that's why it's just 30%. And it's not 100%. If there was one way to do it that was proven superior to all others, we would all be doing that. I think we all want that for our patients. We're just not there yet. All right. So I, I want to dial it all the way down so our listeners can really understand what robotic surgery means when you go see uh, Dr. Kaldine. So so talk to us. So you, so you get a CT scan, which then allows you to do preoperative planning. And then 
from there, walk us through. You bring the patient into the operating room and just take us through the procedure. What are you yep. doing? What's the robot doing? Yep. So, so I place, uh, I do my approach like normal. So I get to the joint with the same surgery, soft tissue approach that I would otherwise. I put pins in the femur and the tibia. The reason why I'm doing this is because I'm then going to take points on the femur and the tibia. If I'm doing a knee, I'm talking about now. But if I'm doing the, the, the femur and the tibia, to overlay that to the CT scan. So now it's kind of like I know where the CT scan is in space, right? In three-dimensional space. That information is valuable because then I can take the knee through a range of motion. I can see what the ligaments are doing. Is this patient tight on the inside? Are they loose on the outside? And actually, I can move the implants just slightly to make sure the knee ends in balance. The other way to do this is just you make your cuts and then try to figure out the soft tissue later. Well, by then it's too late. So the ability to adjust your implants and make these, you know, fine, fine tune of the position of the implants before you make the cuts, I think is crucial. The goal here is to end with a balanced knee when we're talking knee replacement. And if I can do that before I cut the bone, if I can have all that knowledge, I'd much rather do that than try to catch up on the back end. The robotic arm that we use, it literally is a robotic arm that's integrated with the software. So it's cutting the bone, obviously, in real life, but it's referencing the CT scan that you took weeks earlier. So it's a level of precision that you just don't have with standard instrumentation. And the result is a balanced knee every time. The reproducibility is what we're after. All right. So surgeon comes in, he makes, he cuts the skin with a regular knife. The robot's not cutting the skin. Right. Uh, you're then exposing the joint. Right. And then you line it all up. You put your pins in. Everybody's happy. The computer navigates to what it's supposed to. And then you bring in the robotic arm and it cuts the end of the femur bone and it cuts the end of the tibia bone. Right. In fact, it makes all the cuts, you know, so four and one on the end of the femur. And then I've, there's just one cut on the tibia. So so it's controlling exactly where you cut it. So your plan that you've worked so hard on with your CD scan, you actually execute it with the arm. All right. So and how about length of surgery time? What's your average time, you know, component then? You know, honestly, it depends on if I have a tea time or not, Scott. I mean, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm no good at golf. I couldn't afford to do it anyway. That's I tell everybody, look, before you have surgery, you go check the handicap of your surgeon. Okay? <laughs> if they're a scratch surgeon, unless yeah. it's Paul Favorito, go find another doctor because you're spending too much time at the golf course, not enough time at the other one. <laughs> well, listen, uh, then my patients uh, should really, really want me to do their knee. Um, <laughs> so it takes about an hour and a half, uh, skin to skin, so to speak. So open the incision to kind of, you know, incision close, rolling out of the room. It's about an hour and a half. So I do patient-specific instrumentation. I'm, I'm, I'm like you in certain ways, which is, you know, measure twice, cut once. And so I like having a plan. I like knowing my sizes but then I will still do my own cuts. But one of the things that I've been running into up here in Massachusetts is that a number of the insurance companies are no longer paying for the preoperative CT scan. Have you run into that down in Tennessee? You know, I have not seen that. I, you know, I, I do, as you know, I, I do a lot of education training uh, nationwide on this robotic system. The Mako system is what I use. But uh, so, so I've, I've touched a lot of surgeons that are using this. I have heard small pockets about problems with getting the CT scan or other advanced imaging approved. I have not seen it in my market. I can tell you this. 
Um, if you send Mako, which again is the is is the system that I'm most familiar with that I use, if you send that to the insurance, somebody somewhere with a pencil is going to say, "Ah, oh, I'm pretty sure that's experimental," and just deny it offhand. I don't. I do not send that word to the insurance typically. Uh, I I send preoperative planning. I send acquired deformity. I send uh, osteoarthritis. I send the diagnosis of the patient that. Uh, makes me want to explore this further. And I haven't seen any issues at all. That's good advice. Maybe we're going to give that a try up here in the Commonwealth. So, all right, before we end, I want to do something a little fun. Uh, it's a little something outside of what we, we've, we've done in the past, but I really liked one of your your video posts for LinkedIn and you talked about uh, the Clifton Strengths Assessment. First, tell everybody what it is and why you decided you personally wanted to do this. Well, Clifton Strength, you know, I, I, I said earlier, I have no social media plan. Like, I'm not kidding, Scott. I have no plan to this. But these beautiful people reach out to me and they're like, hey, you know, what are your strengths? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm an orthopedic guy. Like, you mean, how much do I bench? Like, no, no, no. What is what is your top five? Uh, what do you mean? My top five favorite movies? Oh, uh, Gladiator, Dead Poet Society. No. What are your top five strengths? And I never thought this is a business concept in my world. I am a knuckle dragger, Scott. I'm not kidding. Like I'm, I'm just day to day on this stuff. And they're like, well, have you ever really thought about what your strengths are? And I said, no. <laughs> because I've never really sent down to sat down to comp- contemplate it. And they're like, Oh, you take this assessment called it's called Clifton strengths to which I immediately said, I'm not taking tests anymore. Like I'm done with that. Um, but, but it took, uh, I think you, I think you recently took it too, Scott, but it took maybe 20 minutes or something. It's, it's almost yes, no. It gives you two kind of varying opinions and you say, how closely you align with one versus the other. And they're not exactly uh, polar opposites, but just which one do you favor? And it spits out your top five that everybody kept asking me about. What are my top five Clifton strengths? And so I really did it so that I could continue on social media. I was I was in threat of getting kicked off. I'm I really thought, you know, this is making me feel a lot better because there was a point there where I thought you were this really deep intellectual and wow. you had a really important thing to share with everybody. Yeah, that's not it. Yeah. Um, I would love you to think that. And if I had a brand guy like MRS, I'll, be, I'll bet I could trick people into that. But it, it is much more accidental, but 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 also still extremely fruitful. I, I love the fact that I did Clifton Strengths, and I read these explanations of, of my top five and what they mean. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy knows me. Right. And I'm so, telling you, it's exactly what I was thinking when I went through it. I literally did it an hour before coming on here because I thought it would be a hoot. And uh, when I was done, I'm like, God, I'm like, I hope the answer, you answer the questions right. I'm like, you're, not, you're just answering questions, you know, one way or the other. But it was pretty damn spot on. Yeah. So, so run through your strengths. I want to hear your strengths yeah. and I want to hear the explanations too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so it nailed me. So first, quickly, just the names of my strengths. And then I'll, then I'll kind of, sh- I'll, I'll tell you why I think they nailed me. So Achiever. I've learned, by the way, achiever is kind of the most common, like, you know, motivated guys that are looking to take the Clifton strength test and be go getters. And so apparently that's 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 no that's no uh, jewel in my crown. Uh, Achiever positivity. Woo, which I had no idea what that was, uh, communication and activator. And of those, Achiever was the only one that really made sense to me Um, because I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I like to do good. But when you look at Achiever, it gives you more details. And and listen, this one kind of punched me in the face. It says uh, that, uh, well, I wrote it down here. 
you cannot rest until your work is done. That's totally true. Like I, I, I thought that was a sleeping disorder. Like I, I, I've got to close the deal, Scott, or I'm not going anywhere. Um, you, you feel naturally motivated to be the very best, not just one of the top finishers. Boy, talk about something that I don't like to confess. That is absolutely true, Scott. And how this silly test knew that, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, are you, are you, are you a Pelotoner? No, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a Pelotoner. Yeah. I mean, I had to with the COVID, you know, pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like they, they they shut down my elective surgeries the next day. I ordered Peloton. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it took me a couple of weeks to get it, but uh, I'm still chubby. Don't get me wrong. Um, so so achievers pretty straightforward, and then. Yep. And then positivity was my second strength. And 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 really the description here, because I, I positive, you know, I don't want to be the rah-rah guy. Like I want there to be substance and truth in what I say. So this one almost offended me until I read the description. <laughs> it says uh, ability to personally sense the feelings of others around them and want them want to take them to a higher plane. Now that's me. Good. Like, yeah. I am so affected when people around me aren't uh, kind of in that space, right in the flow. And I want to do everything I can to help them because I know how miserable it is for me. Woo, woo is kind of cool. Woo is, uh, where does it, did, did you get woo, Scott? You had to be, I got, I got no woo. <laughs> I, got no woo. <laughs> I, got no woo. Um, I, I, I think it stands, I saw it somewhere. I think it stands for winning others over or something like that. Got it, got and, it. And, but, but really, really it's, I, I, I want people's approval. Like I, I want people yeah. to like me yeah. and, uh, I'm the baby of the family. I'm three of three boys and and I've always known that to be true. Like, you know, I really want people to like me. And then communication, that one's probably accurate in the sense that I love to talk. <laughs> but I also like to understand who I'm talking to. A couple of years ago, um, somebody said, oh, man, you you should do one of these TEDx talks. Have you ever done that, Scott? No, I haven't, but I'd love to do one, too. They're awesome. Oh, listen, you, yeah. you'd be incredible at it, I'm sure. But 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 I said, OK, great. Um, what, what do you want me to talk about? And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand this concept. Like you're supposed to come up with your TED Ed talk. And I was obsessed with the fact that I just want to know what they want to know. Right. I mean, somebody give me a topic and then I'll talk to it because I, I really do care about who I'm talking to. That that was the initial challenge with me with social media is you don't know where it's going to stick. Um, and I want to speak to something that interests other people. And sometimes I kind of struggle to kind of find that. And that's what communication is. And then activator, man, just gener you know, energized. If, if it weren't for orthopedics, like if I wasn't had the if, if I didn't have a job where I had to get up and kind of work hard, I might sit at home on the couch and eat bonbons all day. Like, I mean, I, I could fall into something like that. I need the pressure uh, to kind of fuel that energy. I, I got to hear your list. For, uh, forget oh, well, we, That's great. So we, we share a couple. We definitely share a couple, which are probably a lot of where the Peters do, which is definitely the achiever. We're there together. The activator as well. Uh, and then, uh, then I guess I am futuristic, which I did not know. I didn't realize I was going to be futuristic. And what, so you listening? my wife has to listen to the next line because I think she's, she's going to get a kick out of this, but apparently I'm a visionary. And so I'm inspired by what the future uh, could be so that I can energize others. So this is beautiful. There's a little bit of truth in there. You know, I do like, you know, got my laser thing going. We're trying to do things, you know, in a different way, not being afraid to try new things. Innovation, right, requires the ability to to, to see through things and have some failure, but move forward. So I think there's some of that in the fro. 
Listen, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with your ability to do that. You, you and I talked offline about some of that laser work. Listen, somebody has to push the envelope to figure out what the right role is. How can we prove it? Right. How can we, 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 obviously we learned our lesson with opioids, right? This is, this is a bad path and anything that will protect us from going down that path uh, is, uh, is important. Uh, and, and it is futuristic, right? Don't you think? I mean, certainly robotics is in the sense that, uh, you know, it's not mainstream and some guys are, uh, well, you know, the guys on LinkedIn that come after me, I love those guys, but uh, you know, the guys that hear that I do robotics, you know, oh, the guys that use robotics, they're, they're, they're the ones that don't have thumbs or, you know, something like that. I love those guys. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but the reality is, is you got to have a little push, right? You're totally a visionary. Oh, there you go, honey. I'm a visionary. It's been proven. Okay. So the next is learner. So I have the desire to learn, uh, to continuously improve. And I like that. I think there's, you know, uh, I am definitely more of the sports guy. So I, I'm more reliant on experience than I am necessarily, uh, you know, uh, on on the literature support that's required and evidence-based medicine, it's there and I believe it. But I also know that when I get together with my boys and we're talking about stuff and they tap me on the shoulder and say, you got to try this because this really works. I'm the type of guy that wants to do that. So I think that makes sense. That fits in pretty well as well. And then the final one uh, is the maximizer. So I like to focus on strengths to stimulate group excellence. We don't want to just be stuck at strong. We want to go to superb. And I like that. I think that's kind of cool too. I love that. And I feel like maybe that should also be the name of your hair product line. <laughs> what do you think? I, trust me. I need a lot of product. It is not easy to keep this show going. <laughs> that, I have to tell you. Another I, I, area I, I'm saving money. See, it's a financial decision. Oh man, Corey, this has been fantastic. This is exactly the, t- the type of stuff we'd like to have is amazing conversations with really, really smart orthopedic surgeons who just are witty and have a great story to tell. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Man, I appreciate it so much, Scott. Again, um, not not sure not sure how I bubbled up to the top of a guy like you to have on, but I'm thankful you were desperate and uh, thankful for our time together. Well, I said it when I said it in the lead in. I'm going to say it on the way out as well. Here at the Ortho Show, we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. Dr. Corey Callendine, this is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag Follow the Fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.